Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Pastor CJ is back with part three of his sermon series, The Power of One. Today, the message is about prayer. When a church comes together as one in prayer, there's no limit to what God can do. As we face the current events happening in our nation and in our own lives, let's lift up our concerns, fears, and needs to God. When we pray, we become the tool in God's hand that helps Him accomplish His purposes. We hope you enjoy this message. Last week we talked about forgiveness. If you have your notes, forgiveness is simply the act of changing your attitude towards the offender. In other words, changing your attitude, letting go maybe of your anger towards them, even though they have offended you or hurt you, that I choose to forgive you and turn the other cheek. The Bible says that we should forgive, what, 70 times 7. You know, when they strike you on one side, turn the cheek and let them strike you on the other. And sometimes that's pretty hard to do. But that's what forgiveness is doing. That, God, I choose to make a choice that, God, I'm going to turn the other cheek and let them strike me on the other side. I'm not going to react and be like this roaring lion and roll back at them. I'm going to be meek but not weak. You see, listen, it's moving from a desire to harm towards an openness to be at peace. How many of you know that when we are offended or when we're hurt and we have unforgiveness in our hearts or in our lives, what does unforgiveness do? It sucks out the life of joy, peace, contentment, happiness in your life. And the opposite of that is bitterness, hatred, anger. And what happens is if we allow unforgiveness to be in our heart, it suffocates the life and brings in hatred. And then hatred does what? It wants us to react with what? With a clenched fist instead of an open hand. And that's what unforgiveness does. It wants you to react with a clenched fist. I'm going to knock you out. I'm going to send you to heaven quicker than you want to go because I'm angry. I'm mad and I'm bitter towards you. But a clenched fist does that that, but an open hand shows, hey, I love you, I accept you, and I forgive you. How many of you know that every one of us has to make a choice? Kevin, today, thank you for being here. You made a choice to be here, even though there's all this situation going on in our country. Every one of you made a choice. It's the same way in life. You have to make a choice to forgive. We're going to be offended no matter where you go, work, rest, or play. You are going to be offended. There is no elimination from being offended. But you have to make a choice. How am I going to handle that offense or that unforgiveness in my life? Am I going to hold on to it? Or am I going to let it go and let God be big in my life? But today, I want to talk to you about the next step. And I love this next step because once unforgiveness is broken, and once we let go of unforgiveness in our lives, guess what that does? It frees us up for the flow or the move of God in our lives, because unforgiveness is dams that prevent the flow of the Holy Spirit. So once you let down those walls of unforgiveness, guess what that allows you to happen? The flow of the Holy Spirit. Well, how does the Holy Spirit begin to move in your life or God begin to talk to you through communication and prayer? That when you begin to pray, that's when God begins to fill you up. You see, my praises go up and his blessings come down when I pray. So I pray God, I pray Lord Jesus that God, you will hear my voice and God, when you hear my voice, God, I know you're going to speak to me. 
Always remember this about prayer. God does three things when you, when you go to prayer. Number one, he speaks to you, he responds to you, and he answers your prayers. That's what God does. That God, you speak to me, you respond to me, and you answer my prayers. He may not answer them the way you want them to be answered, but God never lets the righteous be forsaken, nor a seed begging for bread. And God always responds to the cry of the people. So right after you ask for forgiveness, the next step of becoming one in Christ or one in the body is pray. That's why the Bible says, where two or three, Rhonda, agree, it shall be done. Where two or three come together in my name, there I am in the midst of you. So what God says is that now you let down the walls of unforgiveness, you let go of the anger, the bitterness, the resentment. Now that frees you up to receive the fullness that God has for you. How many want the fullness of God? How many? I, I don't know about you, but man, when we were setting up last night, we were here late last night. Give it up for Pastor Andrew and and the rest, man. I'll tell you, Mark Hobby, Mark Anderson, even even uh, Mark Hobby's little daughter, man. She was God, Stella, man. You should have seen Stella running around here. We were we were man setting up late last night. But you know what? It sets us up for the flow or the move of the Holy Spirit. And but when we were setting up. One of the things that I look for is you notice all around this walls, there's outlets. And I said to Pastor Andrew, I said, man, we are not going to have a problem finding the power source, right? I mean, there's all over, there's this whole wall, there's power source. But that's the same way with prayer. Prayer is our power source to rejuvenate or to ignite you or to refresh you or to put you in encounter with God. And a lot of times I hear people say that, Pastor, I can't hear God, I don't sense God, I don't feel God, I don't even know that God loves me. It's because maybe you're not tapped into the power source. And the power source is not having God twist your arm or me to twist your arm, but the power source is you going to God. You have to take that initiative that each and every day that I'm going to go to God. But I love what it says in James chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. I love this because he talks about you and I. He says this, therefore, confess your sins, unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, all those type of things. Confess your sins to each other, but then what's what the next key is? He said, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So what is the key to being healed is letting go, the first step we talked about last week, of unforgiveness. Letting go of that barrier, that wall, that blockage that stands between you and God. Letting that go. Then once you let it go, it says pray for each other so that you may be healed where? He's not talking about physically. He's talking about be healed first and foremost spiritually, that you have that reconnection with God because unforgiveness or sin separate you from God. But when you ask God to forgive you, guess what? It opens back the floodgates or the channel between you and God. So he says, so that you may be healed in your relationship. Now get this, in your relationship spiritually with God. See, listen, everything that we do revolves first and foremost about our spiritual relationship with God. It's not about our physical being. It's first and foremost about our spiritual being that I have a relationship, a friendship with my loving Savior, my God, my rock, and my Redeemer, and that through that I'm healed, I'm forgiven, I'm set free, and because of that I can now have the outflow of His Holy Spirit in my life. 
So he says, I got to have that first. And he goes on to say, he said, the prayer of a righteous person, that's you and me. What makes us righteous? What makes us righteous is that we are in right standing now with God. That Sherry, I'm in right standing with God. He said, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, I love this next line because this Elijah is just like you. Bill, he was just like you and I. Brian, he was just like you and I. He says this, Elijah was a human being. How many know that we're human beings, right? How many know that God can take the ordinary and Randy make it extraordinary? And God uses this example because he wants to encourage you. Because, you know, a lot of times what happens with people of prayer, Molly, what happens, Holly, is this. They don't feel worthy enough to go to God, so they don't go to God at all. That I'm not significant enough. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to talk to God. I'm a pagan. I've done this. I've done that. My DNA is not like some other DNAs of people. I'm not a president's kid. I'm not a king's kid. I'm not this or a PK kid. We got all kinds of reasons why we say we can't go to God. But he uses Elijah to say, listen, Elijah was a human, was a human being even as we are. And what he does, he wants you to put down your wall. Thomas, and what he's saying, Thomas, if I can use Elijah, I can use you. I can use you, Sherry. Wouldn't you know it, my wife's phone is the only one that rings in the whole place, right? <laughs> Once in all these years, amen. Da, 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 right. But look at this. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Now watch this. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Notice, it's first of all, the power of prayer flows when forgiveness is given. That's the first step to being man powerful for the kingdom of God. Let me ever ask you, uh, hey, has any of you really felt sometimes in your life that maybe you have a hindrance or hang-ups with God that you, you never can seem like you can get through to God? That maybe that every time you pray that your prayers always seem to be hitting the ceiling and, man, you can't get far, man, you can't seem to break through? Well, that was me. That was me as, as a young man growing into Bible school. And, man, here I am. I didn't know who Jesus was as it was. But yet I couldn't figure out, man, God, why can't I seem to get further with God? Why do I all seem to be, man, I get so close and bam, it comes back and slaps me in the face. What's up? And you know what God did? He put his finger on me. And he put his finger on me to remind me that, CJ, you need to forgive your dad. What do you mean I forgive my dad? And all of a sudden, anger rose up in me, Bob, because I didn't do nothing. Have you ever said that before? It's not my fault. But I still, I knew, had anger with my dad. So what did I have to do? I had to go onto the dance floor of my stepsister's wedding, pull my dad off the dance floor, ask my dad to forgive me. After all these years of harboring unforgiveness and bitterness towards my dad, you know what my dad did? He looked at me and said, son, I don't even remember what you're talking about. I learned this, that bitterness doesn't hurt the one who causes it as much as the one who harbors it. And I was holding on to that. And the moment I asked my dad to forgive me, guess what happened? It was like the Hoover Dam just broke. 
and I once again got to experience the fullness that God had in my life. You see, listen, power, the power of prayer flows when forgiveness is given. Prayer is our lifeline to God and our power source for man. It's our umbilical cord to God. That God, listen, I always say this. If you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. Because you can pray anywhere. You can pray as you're going down the road. You can pray as you're walking in the grocery store. You can pray when you're taking your kids to school. If you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. And I'm here to tell you today that don't ever think that God is too busy to hear you because all that is is a lie that the enemy wants you to believe that your God can't hear you. He's too busy to hear you right now. He's got other people to worry about. Don't you ever believe that lie because God hears the cries of his people and all he wants you to do is open your mouth and talk to him. And when he, you talk to him, man, you know what God does? He gets excited because you're recognizing him as Lord and Savior of your life. And God gets excited by that. I love this. In verses 17 and 18, God gives us an example to encourage us by using Elijah. Listen, the man or woman who has been asked for forgiveness becomes powerful for the kingdom. Now, it's powerful for the kingdom and a threat to the darkness. Somebody say amen. That's what happens you see, when you, man, line up with God, you become a threat to the darkness. Man, spending time with God, being energized with God. I love what it says in Matthew 18, 19 through 20. It says these words. He said, again, truly I tell you that two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. You see, there's power in agreement. There's power in prayer. He said, where two or three agree, gathered in my name, there I am with them. God gets excited when people come together in prayer in one accord. When people come together, man, in one likeness for God, that God, we lay aside all our differences, and Lord, we seek you first, the kingdom of God. We have to let down our differences. Listen, when a church comes together, in, as one in prayer, there is no limit to what God can do. How many of you know that's true? Can you imagine when we all come together in prayer? Man, just faith believing. There's no limit to the, what we can do for the glory of God when we join hands, hand in hand, side by side, knowing that God has great things in store for us. Man, listen, listen. Expectations, faith, and belief are built in prayer when we know his power. Amen? Man, I don't know about you, but I get excited to know his power that, man, I can't do it, but I know God can do it. That the battle is not mine, it's the Lord's. And sometimes through what prayer does, prayer is transferring our battles into God's hands and letting him take your battles. So many times in my life, man, I'll tell you, many times in my life, the, the, Stephen, the battle is too big for me. The, all I have to do is transfer into God's hand. How do I do that? God, I give it to you through prayer. Lord, I don't know what to do. Jehoshaphat said, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. He learned the secret. That God, I can't take this battle. It's all bigger than me. This situation is bigger than me. But God, I know it's not bigger than you. So he learned to transfer that battle. 
and you transfer the battle through prayer. By God, I take and I transfer this battle into your hands, knowing that the battle is not mine, it's yours, and God, you work things, all things out according to your will, your plan, and your purpose. So when you give him the battle, guess what? He's going to work it out on your behalf. Isn't that a great God? I love this. Duke University conducted a survey based on 1,500 reputable medical studies that people who are more religious and pray more have better mental and physical health. Isn't that some? Why? Because they know the creator. They know the creator. They know that God, Lori, puts all things together. They know that, God, you're going to put it all together. I can trust you. I can put my hope in you, knowing that it's going to work out. I love what it says in James chapter 4, verse 8. James says this, come near to God. How do you come near to God? You come to God afraid? You come to God feeling that you're not worthy? God doesn't say to you, come to him. You know why he says to come to him as little children? Because little children never stop the way the consequences. You know what we do as adults a lot of times? We have to figure out what we're going to say to God before we come to God. And if it doesn't all line up right, and if we don't say it the right way, guess what? We feel intimidated. We feel maybe embarrassed. But God just wants you to come as you are. He said, come near to God, and guess what he's going to do? Come near to God, and he will come near to you. So in other words, with every action, there's a reaction. I'm taking the first step. God's going to take the next step. God has to see if you mean business. One of the ways that you show God that you mean business, that, God, I'm coming just as I am. God, I'm coming as a sinner. I'm coming, Lord, forgiven. I'm coming set free. God, I'm coming maybe dirty, but, God, I'm coming with my problems. But, God, I'm going to come. And that's all God wants you to do is to come. But so many times we put ourselves in park and we don't come. And God's waiting for you. And how do you come? God, I come just as I am. But it says, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Why do you think he says that? Because a lot of times don't we feel double-minded? We vacillate, should I come, shouldn't I come, should I come, shouldn't I come. I wonder how many of you today have really thought about, should I come to church, shouldn't I come to church, should I come, shouldn't I, shouldn't I come, should I. Back and forth, and a lot of times we do that same thing, Judy, with God. Well, maybe this isn't big enough. You know what, I always found this to be true. If God places something on my heart, and it may not seem big to you, Steve, at the time, God puts it on your heart because he wants you to come, whether big or small. What may seem important to you is important to God. And whatever God puts on my heart, guess what I do, Brian? I always take it to him, whether little or small. I don't have to just wait for the big things to go to God. I take the little things to God so that they don't become big. You see what I'm saying? So take them to God. You see, that's supposed to be Psalms 145, 18. I don't know if that's on there or not, but 145, verse 18. It says, the Lord is near to all who call on him. The Lord is near to all who call on him. How do we call on the Lord? We call on the Lord through prayer. To all who call on him in truth. Man, what does he say that in truth? Because, Bob, God wants you to be transparent when you come. Listen, how many ever try to play peekaboo with God? You tell him what you want him to hear. 
But God knows everything. He knows every hair on your head. He knows everything you think. He knows all your thoughts. He knows everything about you. And a lot of times what we do, we only want to tell God about the what? The desserts of our lives, the good things of our life. And God already knows the bad things. All he wants you to do is cast your cares upon him because he cares about you. But so many times we want to try to impress God when God said, wait a minute, enough of this stuff. Will you just be real with me? I mean, you know, there's some phony people around us, right? You ever, you ever get around people like that? You want to go like, ah, right? You know what I'm saying? You just want to, ah, because like, come on, be real. Man, quit trying to act like you're walking in cloud nine when you're going through this situation. And God does the same thing. He just wants you to be real. He wants you to come to truth. And you know why he says truth, Randy? Because the truth is what sets you free. Man, when you go to God, you got to be truthful so that you can be free when you walk away. Man, I cast my cares upon him. If I don't get, be honest and truthful with God, how am I going to cast my cares upon him? All I'm doing is multiplying my problem because, listen, you're going to walk away with doubt. Say, see, God didn't hear me. God doesn't care. I still got the same problem. Well, God said, listen, I do care and I do hear you, but why can't you cast them at my feet? How many know what I'm talking about? And so what we do, Bob, is we play peekaboo with God. God, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you that. Because we want God, we want to impress God. But God just wants you to come and be honest with him. You see, listen, when we pray for one another, we enter God's workshop. Pick up a hammer and help him accomplish his purposes. I love that. I, I love this next story. In Matthew chapter 8, it's a story of the centurion and the servant of the Lord. And I want you to get this because, listen, this is what we need to pray for one another. When I first started out as a, as a believer in Christ, I, I, man, we used to pray, man. When I was at Cathedral Praise World Outreach Center in Oklahoma, man, we would pray from Friday night till Sunday morning all the way through, two days, 24 hours a day, we'd pray. And our, our, our youth group, we had the night shift. Got the night shift, baby. You don't know that song either, right? But uh, we, we'd have the night shift. <laughs> That's not a good song, but anyways. <laughs> It sounds good, right? Yeah. It's kind of one of those ones, the way I walk, right? That's kind of one of those songs, right? But anyways, uh, you know, we, we, we would pray the night shift. And uh, so it was funny because, man, when I was youth pastor, we had maybe 250 kids. Uh, no kidding. Our youth group was 1,000 kids. And maybe, <coughs> maybe we'd have 250 kids. Uh-oh. Hey, let me tell you something. My wife and I went to a restaurant the other day, and my wife coughed at the dessert thing. Oh, boy. You should have seen three workers behind the thing. No kidding. They all went, <laughs> My wife looked like a can of raid. Amen. They ran. They ran. That ain't no kidding. They really did. And, uh, but anyways, <laughs> but, but you know what? It, we, would, we would pray, and man, be 250 youth at night. And I, liked, I think they came out because afterwards we'd go out and eat in the morning. But what happened was so cool, 250 youth praying, right? It was really cool. And all these kids would, man, say a bunch of things. And you know what? I, I finding what was happening is that sometimes, and I hate even to say this, Mindy, that sometimes within the 250 kids that were praying, after we got done praying, what was happening, Chris, was out of that group, Instead of praying for those 250 kids now, they use some of that against them. 
So what was happening here was the kids being transparent and honest within that circle, Michael. And what happened was, Dave, was they used some of those prayer requests as ammunition against those kids. And I thought, man, that's not how we should be. That we should be encouraging one another and uplifting one another and being able to trust one another when we vent or open our hearts to each other and not talk about each other or gossip about each other, but really lift each other up in prayer. And it devastated my heart that eventually, man, in our youth group, I would have to talk for the next couple of weeks about, hey, kids, listen up. When we have these prayer circles, these prayer times, it's not a time to gossip about one another. It's a time to really bring them before the Lord. And what happens with the church is that's what it's all about. When our brothers and sisters are in need, it's not a time to put them down or gossip about them or complain about them, but lift them up to heaven and say, God, I'm going to stand in a gap. I'm going to lift their arm. I'm going to be the Aaron and the her. I'm going to encourage them and not discourage them. I'm going to pray for them and not talk about them. And you see, listen. The Bible says in Ezekiel 22, 30, it says, I look for a man among them to stand in the gap to build up the wall, but I found none. But here's a story about a Sanhedrin that stood in the gap. Watch this. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. In other words, what he was saying is, I have someone who's in great need. How many of you know we have a lot of people in great needs? You know someone's in great need. Maybe they're going through financial crisis or cancer or whatever else the case may be. You know that person. He says, Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Oh, look at this. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the words and my servant will be healed. Let me show you something. Michael, come here, will you? Brian, come here a minute, will you? I want to show you something. I want to show you an example of what God wants. Come here, Brian, because you're the big one. You're the tall one. Not a big and a big one. You're tall. You're in shape. Brian, you're going to be God. You're going to be the servant, and I'm going to be the Sanhedrin. Watch this. This is what the church should look like. When you see your brother and sister who is Michael in need, when you see your brother in need that's going through a situation in life, man, he's telling, he's bearing his heart. And I know Michael and Kari's needs right now, his health situation. When you see him in need, I'm the church. I'm the Sanhedrin. I'm the, I'm the one standing in the gap. Guess what? Here's what we as a church need to do. Michael is telling me his needs. Now, I don't go to God and say, God, Michael's man, he's this, he's that, he's this. But what I do is I stand in the gap for Michael. And I go to God and say, God, Michael needs help. I mean, he needs a touch in his body. Michael needs, man, you to move, God. He needs you to move, God, on his behalf. This is what God does. Two or three, great. I'm standing. God hears. God joins forces. And God touches. But you see what I did? I didn't go to God in between Michael and God and gossip about Michael. I took it to, in prayer. That's what the church is all about. When we see our brothers and sisters in need, that we pray for them, that we uplift them, that we love on them. 
that we take it to God on our knees and God gets excited when God's people pray for one another and he responds. There you go. Hey, he's all right. You see what I'm talking about? You go ahead. Got to be excited. But that's what God wants us to be. You see, the church is the bridge between the lost, the sick, and the afflicted. That's you and I. With a bridge, our prayers for one another unlock the storehouses of heaven. I don't know about you, but, man, there's five people that I have right now that I can call that are not here even in Siren. These are people that I've had accountability partners for over 22 years that I call a Bill Grace, I call a Terry Lawrence, I call a Dennis King, I call a Paul Cox, I call a Rick Johnson, and I call either one of those guys anytime. And you know what they do? They stand in the gap for me. They pray for me. They uplift me. And I know that, man, they're going to rebuke me at times, but they're also going to be standing there with me. When we as a church come together in one, Bob, there's no limit to what we can do. We can come together, Rhonda, and see God do great things. That, man, when the power of prayer, it's prayer that changes things. It's prayer that moves the hand of God. It's prayer that opens up the windows of heaven. It's prayer that when people come together, there's no limit to what can happen when we come together in one accord. If one can chase a 1,000 and two can chase 10,000, can you imagine when a body of believers, our roster right now, we looked the other day, Sarah said, we have eight, 468 people on our roster right now. Can you imagine that claim that this is their church? Can you imagine when we all come together in one accord praying and storming the heavens? There's no limit to what God can do. When the praises go up, the blessings come down. When the praises go up, God responds to the cry of the church. God said, I'll never let the church or the righteous be forsaken, nor their seed begging for bread. That's you and I. Come on. God wants to do great things. The link between God's goodness and your friends is your prayers. Jesus healed the slave because the Sanhedrin placed himself, that's you, placed himself between the needy person and the one who could meet the need. You see, the act of praying for others has boomeranged an effect, a boomeranging effect. It allows us to shift the burden from carrying for others to the shoulders of God. God, I come. I, I, want to, I want to get to the scripture. I know it's time, but one of the great things I told Pastor Andrew is in school, we're limited. We have to shut down. But Jake said, I can keep these chairs up. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we're going to pray. I want to pray for you today. I really do. Mark Harvey, I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for my officer friend. I love you, buddy. We're going to pray for you today. Because I believe there's power in prayer. I believe that, Chris. We as a church, Gene, we have to pray. We have to seek God if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will heal Bob their land. And I'm calling us church to rise up and be a church of prayer. It's prayer that changes things. I love this. Humble yourself, therefore, under the God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties, your worries, your frets, your concerns on him because he cares for you. 
He cares for you. Listen, humbling ourselves puts us in position to receive his power. I don't know about you, but I love what John the Baptist says. I decrease God that you may increase. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. Paul also said in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, brothers, I die daily. So I die that, God, you may live. I empty out that you may fill me up with your power, your strength, your might, your direction, your purpose in my life. You see, we need an emptying out, that we need new wineskins and let go of the old wineskins so that God can pour back into us and revive his church and ignite us into the things that he's calling us to do. Somebody say amen. You see, humbling yourself shows it's not us, but only him that can change things. So how do I come, Pastor? I don't know if this is on your notes or not, but how do I cast? How do I cast my cares? Number one, it's a, you come humble. God, I, I come humble. I humble myself, God, before you. You see, humbling means, God, an officer, they tell you this, Lift your hands. That's what humble it is. It's surrendering, letting go of your will, and taking up his will. You see, you come honest. God doesn't want you to play peekaboo with him. Tell him how you feel. Tell him what's going on inside you. It doesn't mean that you're weak because you're being honest with God. We had this Christian philosophy when I first started out in ministry that, man, if you tell people that you're going through this, it shows that you don't have faith. Bah, humbug. It shows that you have faith to believe God to help you in your situation. In so many years, I used to be, oh, like an ironclad soldier. It couldn't be honest because, man, if I was, it's a sign of weakness. And I kept that for so many years. And I was liberated once I found out, hey, I can be honest with God. And he liberated me. He wants you to be, be open. What I mean that I come open, that maybe God wants to tweak something in your life. Maybe you're like that dog going around that same tree over and over again, that maybe God is saying, I want you to be open to maybe some new guidance, new direction. After all, is my word used for rebuking, training, correcting, and teaching? Maybe I want to teach you something. Another one is come to listen. Why did God give us two ears and one mouth? Because he wants you to listen. That's why he says be quick to listen and slow to speak. Be quick to listen. Why does he say? 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So many times we want God to listen to us, but we don't want to listen to the orders from headquarters and God wants us to take time to listen to him come to receive let me ask you something today what is your need today what do you need to receive today you have not you have not Zach because you asked not and I love that young man I'm so proud of you buddy man I'm proud of you Zach I love that kid you have not Kevin because you ask not. What is your need today? Not your wants, your wishes. What is your need? What is your desire? God grant you the desires of your heart. 
How can you get your desires if you don't come expecting to receive from God? Why go to God in the first place if you're not believing he's going to give to you? Prayer opens up the windows of heaven so that God can pour out his spirit upon you. And when you come, you got to come expecting. And that's why I said in Psalms chapter 5, verse 3, that wait in expectations. I love Psalms 4610. This is my wife's anthem verse. My wife loves this verse. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. But you know what it says? In other words, wait for your power moment. Wait for your power moment. You're suddenly with God. Sharon, that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to wait for your power moment. You're suddenly with God. How many need a suddenly in your life? Come on, be honest. You need a suddenly in your life. We need a transformation. Do you remember the day when God came into your life and he transformed you, changed you from the inside out? He didn't rearrange your wardrobe. He changed you from your heart out. And you need a suddenly. I remember that moment when I was instantly set free from drugs. This was the daughter-in-law daughter right here. When I came out of the world, I'll tell you, when I came out of the world, man, all I knew is, man, how to be a brother from the hood. I'll tell you one thing. We were walking in the door, and she'll tell you, man, I used to crack ladies in the rear end. I didn't go up and shake their hand. Back in the day in the hood, that's how you greeted them. Baby got back. Bam. And man, I'll tell you, I did that to her, and boom, she nailed me. I mean, she did. I had a black eye, man. Boom. She nailed me. I tell you that because that's the kind of person I was. And God transformed me. Now I got white-nized. It's prayer that changes things and things done right. Prayer is the powerful tool. It sharpens, it's active, it's encouraging, it's free, and it blesses others. Now I close with this. I, I close with this. Lisa, this is for you. Really, for you. All right? It's for you. Say that with me. It's for me. Come on. It's for you. It's for you. Watch this. It's for you. He says this. Listen to my words, Lord. This is David. He's pouring out his life as a drink offering before God. He's being honest before God. He said, listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lamnet. Hear my cry for help. His desperation, his hurt, his pain, his need, his sorrow. Hear my cry for help, my king. He recognizes my God. For to you I pray. In other words, he recognizes the greatness, the awesomeness, the splendor of our great and mighty God. We wouldn't take something to God if you didn't know that God can change things. David knew that God can change things because why? He had an encounter with God. He knew his Abba Father. He knew his Daddy. And he goes, watch this. He says, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. Now watch this. I love this. Sue, this is for you now. In the morning, I lay my request before you. All right? You're getting this? You know your request. I know your request. I lay my request before you, and I wait, Pam, in expectation. For what? To expect 
to be in the right place at the right time. And guess what? It's now. This is your now moment. Expect your dreams to come to pass. This is your now moment. Expect your friends to come to Christ. Michael, this is for you. Expect to be healed. This is for all of us. Mindy, this is for you. Expect to be a winner. Why? Because I know my God. And the way I know my God is he walks with me. He talks with me along life's narrow way. And I know that my God will never let me be forsaken. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He did it back then, and he can do it today. All I have to do is come just as I am, and God will meet me right where you are. But you have to come. You have to come. I can't prod you. I can't force you, but when you do come, in a moment we're going to open these altars because we don't have to close. And we're going to open these altars. Come here, you. Come here. Come, yeah, yeah, come here. Let me show you a miracle. You want to see a miracle in the house? I love this girl so much. When I first met this girl... You want to talk about transformation, Steve? When I first met this girl, this girl wanted to bite my head off. Literally. Literally. She's had an encounter with God. To look at the joy. Look at that. Her whole transformation has changed in her life. I mean to tell you, all because you know why? She came and she gave. Can I ask you today, what do you need to give to God so he can transform and change? Why leave this place the same way you came when God, the master creator, builder, and restorer of lives can meet you right where you're at if you just come and expect to be a winner again? Will you stand with me? I love you, honey. Will you stand with me? I know that I love this time that now I can give an altar and I can be right down by you. And I got the hand sanitizer if you need me to use it. But I'm going to tell you something today. I believe that God wants to do a breakthrough. I firmly believe that on my heart. I firmly believe that with all my heart. If you need prayer today, I don't care who you are, what you're going through, I want you to step out. Come on. Come on, Andrew. I want you to step out. Come on. Come on. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider supporting us. You can make an easy and safe donation on our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com slash give. Thank you for your generous donation.